Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shelf Logic and the podcast. This is Sierra. This is Lexis. This is Caroline. This is Davina. And Danielle. And we are here to talk about a bunch of children's books. In case you haven't listened to our previous podcast, spelled a capital P-O-D, cast, um, we are the youth services team here at the Southeast Regional Library. And the most of the youth team sits in a little group of desks, and we call it the pod. And today we've got all of us, plus Davina, who's the youth services supervisor, so we're all super excited to talk about some kids' books we've read recently. These ones are kind of in like the fifth grade age range mm-hmm. is what we're doing, so um, if you have kiddos or if you are a kid looking for something that's kind of what this is about so who wants to go ahead and get started I'll kick us off um I read a book that is actually one of our summer reading program prizes so if you redeemed this book as your prize might be very exciting for you to kind of get a taste of what it's about and I'll try to avoid spoilers um but I read Starfish by Lisa Phipps um this is a like novel in verse middle grade like fifth sixth book Um, our main character ellie is a middle schooler kind of like an early middle school Uh, and she is plus sized and she throughout the book um, experiences a lot of bullying both at school and at home unfortunately Um, so the book centers around kind of the trials and tribulations she has as not only a kid just growing up and trying to you know, navigate middle school and friends and people being, you know, kids and being middle schoolers, but also navigating her weight and the way that people perceive her weight. Um, And unfortunately, one of her biggest kind of bullies is her mom. Um, So throughout the book, you have a lot of very like hard feelings, very sad feelings towards the relationship she has with her mom. Her mom sends her to therapy. So throughout the book, we get a lot of, um, moments with Ellie just kind of at school and with her friends, with her next door neighbor who's her best friend, um, but also in therapy, so talking to her therapist. Um, her mom's hope is that by sending her to therapy, she can like remedy her weight. Um, but it's really beautiful because her therapist teaches her that her weight is not a problem, it's not something that needs to be fixed, but her mindset and the way that she reacts to other people and the way they treat her Um, can be changed and can be made better, like have just like a better mindset about the way that um, she perceives herself, which I thought was really cool. Um, So a very body positive book. Um, I loved it. I would absolutely recommend it to anyone of any age, but especially middle schoolers, um, especially kids who are plus sized, um, who are, you know, girls especially, because that's who our main character is, but really anyone. Um, I thought it was really, really good. It was really well written. If you've ever listened to another podcast or a book talk that I've done, I'm obsessed with novels in verse. So <laughs> that was like an instant win for me. I knew that that was going to be one I enjoyed, but I really, really liked it. And I thought that it was a really important book. Um, and if you're a parent and you have kids who maybe are bullying kids because of their weight, um, this is definitely one that they should also read as their own kind of form of therapy or yeah. just like a really good reminder that like, A, we should be minding our own business. Uh, we don't need to be judging other people for any reason, but especially not for things that are like trivial, like weight. Right. Um, but also just like a really good reminder that like we're all people, we all deserve to be treated with respect um, from our classmates, from our families, from friends. 
Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it to anyone, but especially if your kids are going through any kind of bullying or they may be in a situation where they're either a bystander to bullying or the bully themselves. We like to think our kids aren't bullies, but they can be. Yeah. yeah. That sounds so good. I feel so like good. I love that there's so many books coming out like that right now that are just so about being kind to other people and how we can work through our own trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, I think, you know, the last few years have really caused a lot of that and mm-hmm. life has caused a lot of that and there hasn't been enough conversation about it. So as the world is starting to talk more about mental health and about things like this, it's so good that they're, you know, mm. spreading that to kids too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. especially yeah. like this, like... I feel like middle school is prime body mm. image yeah. time. Yeah, so true. Um, like that's everything's changing, and you're changing. Your friends are changing. You're not changing the same way, and so yeah. that's like pr- that's just prime time for body image issues. And so I love that that they're speaking to that and they're targeting that age. Yeah, so and I love that it had like a positive portrayal of therapy. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like we as a society can stigmatize therapy and can stigmatize the way we view people that go to therapy. Um, but, Ooh, I love therapy. I love therapy. Yes. <laughs> I love therapy. Yes. And, and I love too, that we're encouraging people of all ages to seek therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, even if it's not for something like, I think when we think of kids going to therapy, we think of like divorce, the loss of a parent or mm-hmm. the loss of like a close adult, um, you know, like really, really traumatic things. And obviously those are still very necessary for therapy but also just like gaining confidence, learning how to manage yeah. friends and bullies and like middle school trials and tribulations, things that like we all experience, but we don't have to endure right. on our own. We don't have to turn to like teen Vogue and figure out like, how do I befriend my enemy? <laughs> uh, you don't have to, you can go to therapy and find out ways to like cope with the things that people say. And Imagine what healthier adults we would be Ugh. if we would have been in therapy earlier oh my gosh <laughs> no offense to teen vogue no it's no, no no shade we love teen vogue but yeah imagine if i had instead of filling out a quiz had like gone to therapy yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah i really loved that book and i uh normally when we get summer reading program prizes i'll send them to like my friends who are teachers and i was like this one needs to be in the hand of a child like i loved it i would have kept it if I didn't think it was so, so important for it to be in the hands of someone who, like, really needs it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also love that you mentioned that it was written in verse. Oh, like, yes. that is so unique, and it really gets to a segment of the population that maybe isn't as confident of a reader or just is not into, like, the, the length of the book. Because it looked like kind of a chunky book when you were showing it to us, but it isn't. It's not mm-hmm. an overwhelming length. It's a yeah. quick read. And so it becomes something that's a lot more likely to be read, I think, by anybody. So. Yeah, yeah. No- novel and verse, definitely more palatable. If you've got readers at home who tend to gravitate towards, like, graphic novels, um, like, just sometimes, like, the shorter books, shorter chapter books, and you want them to kind of push outside of their boundary a little bit, novel yeah. and verse is a really good way to do that. Yeah, and it makes, like, the longer, like, the book that's chunkier look, or actually less intimidating, mm-hmm. even though it looks maybe a little bit intimidating. Yeah, I, I've always been an avid reader, but I've also been the kind of reader as a kid who was like, okay, when I get to the next chapter, that's when I'll stop. Yeah. And this is, <laughs> this is nice because it's like every no, every verse, like every piece of verse throughout a novel and verse tells like a little bit like a chapter. So it's like kind of a full rounded arc for that piece of the story. So if you're 
a reluctant reader or if you're someone who's like, okay, when I get to the next stopping point, this is when I'm going to stop, they come faster in a novel and verse. So if you're like, okay, well, maybe I could read one more page, you know, or if yeah. you're a reluctant reader and you see the next novel in, or the next piece of verse is like, you know, two paragraphs, you're like, well, maybe I could keep going. So I like, I like that a lot about novel and verse. If you're looking for uh, like a more palatable read for reluctant readers, that's a really, really great way to do it. Who's next? I'll go next, and I would like to start off by saying I absolutely loved this book, but I would absolutely warn anybody before reading it that it's a very sad book, a very heavy book. Um, so go into it knowing that, but I also think it's a good conversation starter for families and kids to talk about, since there are so many heavy topics in this book. Um, I read King and the Dragonflies by Case and Callender. Um, this book follows King, who I believe is 12 years old, and just recently before the start of this book, he lost his older brother. Um, so it's a lot about grief, and King is going through a lot of changes, his parents are dealing with grief, and King, he believes that his older brother, after he died, turned into a dragonfly, because at his funeral, a dragonfly flew in through the window and landed on the casket. So every day, King, after school, goes down to the bayou, to look at all the dragonflies to see if he can find his brother again. Um, so one day when King goes down to look for his dragonfly brother, he sees his friend Sandy, and Sandy he had actually recently stopped being friends with because right before his brother died, his brother told him to stop being friends with Sandy because he heard that Sandy was gay. So that's another complication in this story. He's going through this grief of losing his brother, but also the grief of losing a friend. So the day after King sees Sandy at the bayou, they find out that Sandy has gone missing. So the whole town is looking for him. They have these big search parties. Um, nobody knows where Sandy could have gone. Um, and after King gets home from one of the search parties, he goes out to this tent that he has in his backyard and he finds Sandy in the tent. Uh, I know, and it keeps getting sadder. It keeps getting sadder, <laughs> but I promise it's a really good book. Um, Sandy tells King that he has run away from home because his father is beating him. So King makes a really hard decision. He knows that it's probably right that he should tell his parents or tell a grown-up that he knows where Sandy is, but he decides he wants to help his friend. So he helps Sandy to hide in the tent in his backyard. He brings him food and he helps to make sure nobody finds out where Sandy is. And they sort of reconnect their friendship. And the whole book is about King learning to deal with his grief, King reconnecting with his friend and sort of trying to find this new normal after his brother has died and sort of rebuild his relationship with his friends and his parents. And it's a really beautiful story and I think it could really bring parents and kids together to talk about some of these harder topics like grief mm -hmm. and friendships and bullying, a lot of hard conversations. I think it'd be a great book for kids and their parents to read together and talk about some of these harder topics. Definitely go into it knowing it's a sad one, but I really recommend it. Sounds, sounds so good. good. Yes. Yeah. I'm definitely going to read that. Yeah, me too. It, it's beautiful, and I know it's won a ton, a ton of awards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Back to yeah. that, like, harder topics. Again, like, again, we need books like this. We mm -hmm. need to have the reason to discuss. And it's great that you recommend a parent and child read that together, because I feel like that can be a really hard, like, on-your-own book to read at that Absolutely. age. But if you're reading it and your parent knows what you're reading and you're, you know, discussing it, I mean, 
kudos to you if you can read it and do it on your own, but I feel like that for me would have been too much as a kid. I would have had to have a conversation. Absolutely, but also it goes through a lot of hard topics, but there are kids King's age in that middle school range who are going through these hard life experiences, and it would be really nice to have a book that they can relate to. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's so important. Once again, like Danielle was saying, that, you know, not all books at this age are are written with the same topics and and it's good to be able to explore some of these topics for for this age group yeah absolutely well and even if if you're not someone who has experienced it but maybe your friend has like Mm -hmm. being able to maybe get a glimpse of what they're going through to help you to understand a little bit more and to empathize a little bit more Absolutely. absolutely I also love that um, you mentioned that like the parents are grieving this book too because I feel like we expect like we as adults but parents especially expect to like hold themselves up and keep themselves like buoyed when you're going through something really hard and that's so much pressure and I feel like if we can have a book like this that shows kids like hey there's this you know this really tough thing and your parents are feeling it too that that gives parents permission to like feel and grieve and not necessarily always be strong Mm -hmm. because of course like your kids need you but you also need you like and your kids need to learn what a healthy grieving process looks like and so if you have this parent that's like oh we're not going to cry about it everything's fine we're okay you grow up knowing like okay well we can't be sad we can't cry about it we can't feel it we can't be honest about our feelings. Yeah, and we, and you know, if, if parents are feeling that or grieving it behind closed doors and kids aren't getting to see it, then it's not normal So yeah. to them. Another so. healthy avenue for that could be family therapy. We're <gasps> oh. <laughs> back! So what? much therapy. <laughs> what a great theme. <laughs> it's the topic of the day. It's the topic of the day. This oh. podcast has just turned into a general ad for therapy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> you've ever thought about it just do it i don't know (laughs) love it well speaking about people who need therapy mine i i would agree that these people need some therapy so i read from the notebooks of a middle school princess by meg cabot and i hope i'm saying her name right i'm so sorry meg if i'm not um but if you are a fan of princess diaries either the books or the movies this would be a great um read for you or your kiddos or the kids who are maybe also fans of princess diaries i think we have a few around the table because we may or may not have talked about this (laughs) i also would like to let the world know that this is what princess diaries 3 should be on that's just my opinion I know there's already a script. I know it's probably never going to happen. If you've listened to the TBR podcast, our very first one, I talked about the first Princess Diaries book. It's become a thing in my life, so just don't even. Um, This book is for middle schoolers, and it is um, kind of follows the whole Princess Diaries series of books um, that's in the teen section. So there's so much in this book that... um, really like this is totally a standalone book it's super cute um but even as an adult i really enjoyed reading this because i feel like it kind of carried on the story from the whole princess diaries series which i did read the whole series after i did that tbr podcast because (laughs) i just became crazy so this is about olivia grace clarice mignonette harris (laughs) and she is the younger sister of princess mia from the princess diaries um, Princess Mia did not know that she existed until she, um, until Olivia was 12. And so this is kind of carrying where Olivia is finds out that she's a princess because Olivia grew up not knowing she was a princess. She is biracial. 
and so she thinks you know a couple a couple things through this book that maybe that's part of why she's never known she's a princess and she hasn't kind of gotten the spotlight at all but it really ended up being that her mother um, had wanted her to grow up outside of the spotlight um, Olivia and Princess Mia share a father so that's kind of how they're related there um, but not their mother so Olivia is just an average middle schooler she's growing up um, living with her aunt and uncle and her two cousins because her mom passed away when she was very young um, they are not great to her hence the need for therapy um, they're not like profoundly abusive but they're not they don't treat her like they treat their children and um, so yeah she's just growing up like a normal girl and then all of a sudden the bully at school finds out that she's a princess before she even knows and the bully decides to go beat her up after school and then when they're getting ready to have their little fight princess mia pulls up in her limousine and saves the day just like yeah. we all knew she would um so that's kind of where it starts olivia gets told that she is a princess and it's mind-blowing to her and rocks her whole world um, she ends up getting to meet her whole family and just kind of, you know, learn all about her heritage that she had no idea anything about and then um, gets to go live with them for a little bit. And I don't want to spoil it because there's some things that happen at the end that are a little funky and there's more books, which I haven't read yet. Um, but she just is like mind blown by this whole thing and her whole name makes sense now as to why she has so many names um, and why she shares a name with Princess Mia because Princess Mia has been getting a lot of airtime and um, you know she's like why do I have all these names too was my mom just a crazy fan <laughs> um, because she's I wouldn't know exactly how much younger she is than Mia but significantly by I'd say 10 to 15 years um, so she just gets to learn all about being a royal and uh, get to meet her dad, which in the books, um, the dad is alive. If you've watched the movies but not read the books, in the movies, the dad is not alive. In the books, the dad is alive. And also, the grandma is not Julie Andrews in the books, let me tell you. <laughs> I cannot picture the grandma as not being Julie Andrews, but man, this grandma's mean. She's not Julie Andrews, and it does not make me very happy. But um, anyway, it's a very cute book. She's got some great friendships, and it's just fun to to hear her little story. It's very reminiscent of the original Princess Diaries books, but for a bit of a younger audience. Um, and I just think it's a super cute if you're into, like, princesses or school stories or, um, you know, any sort of, like, a... I, I call it realistic fiction. It's not realistic, but it kind of fits in that genre more than any other genre. It's not realistic. <laughs> Nobody's Caroline, coming to find you. Nobody's going to come find you. Let's know you're a princess. A limo? No. Right? I mean, they could come pick us up now. That'd be no, just kidding. <laughs> we all love our jobs. Don't it's never too late. Um, it's never too late. But no, it's it's you know more in that realistic fiction genre. So if you're just looking for something a little different, um, that's really fun or like a family story. So. Definitely, if you've read the originals and you're an adult and want to go back and read this, it's a cute, fast read. Um, and if you're a kid who just wants to kind of get your toes wet in a story like this, I think it's very cute and a great one to jump into. Yeah. Fun. That sounds very like fun. a fun book. Yeah. yeah. I needed a light read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you said that, like, 
like her aunt and uncle could use some therapy. Let's talk for a second about the school bully. Right, though? Who finds out that she's a princess and her first reaction is like, let's go outside. I'll meet you after school. It's like, what? Why are you going to beat her up for that? She didn't choose this. And Olivia's such a good girl. She's never had any sort of discipline in school. And so now she's like, I'm going to, I think, I think it's a demerit in the book. Now I'm going to get a demerit because I was part of a fight. And it's like, Princess Mia is going to come stop her from getting a demerit. You best bet. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah. What a weird poor, reaction. Poor little I feel like follower. if I knew someone was a princess, I would want to be their best friend. Right. Not right their, though? like, best enemy. Well, if you've seen obviously. Princess Diaries too, there is potential to slide down a big slide on a mattress. Right, though? So I'm not going to fight anybody. Choices. We yes. are best friends. Well, you a cupcake. And, and, mm-hmm. Right? The bully's dad is a lawyer. And I think there there's something to do with that. I don't remember it's been a little mm. bit since I read it. But, um, yeah, that's definitely. Why? Your dad's a lawyer, so you can get away with anything? Mm-mm. Like, that's not how this works. No. No, we are best I mean, I'd hope now. not. Yeah. I'll buy you lunch. Right? Yeah. Would you like my slice of pizza? I'll give up my lunch. Not a smart bully. <laughs> no. Not, <laughs> not a smart no. bully. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not a bully thinking on her feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just with her hands. Yeah. That's all. No. You know, we need to go boss bully. Yeah, not seriously. A, not a mean one. Yeah. yeah. Well, bullies are not just only humans. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that transition. That transition, <laughs> though. Um, so the book that I read was the um, Wings of Fire, the first one, The Dragonette Prophecy. I read the graphic novel version, but... Before I talk about the graphic novel, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the story in general. Um, If you are a kid who likes fantasy, 10 out of 10 recommend. This is such a great fantasy story. The world building is great. The um, the story is a lot of fun. Um, So it is about a prophecy. Um, Some dragons are supposed to be born and they save the day. And I mean, it's this whole series, so it's hard to to say that in just this one, but you first get introduced to the dragons of the Dragonette Prophecy. Um, They are born in this like underground cave and the people who are supposed to be like their keepers are really mean to them, Um, even though they're supposed to be like training them. um, They're just not nice. And then of course there's like these two warring, like I think they're like queen dragons and so they're awful. Um, the dragons break out of the cave, and so then they interact with these, like, awful, mean queen dragons, um, who are bullies, and they, there's, like, um, they're taken to one of the queen's, like, lairs, and there's this arena where the dragons have to fight each other to the death, Mm -hmm. um, and then, because she obviously, she doesn't want the, the prophecy dragons to live, because they would overthrow her, so then they, they break away from the queen, from that queen and then they go on their own little adventure and then it kind of sets it up sets the scene for the next book I think the story is so much fun um especially as a kid this is something I would have just sucked up like a sponge like it just would have been right up my alley it still is um I still think it's a lot of fun if you are new to fantasy and you want to try a fantasy book definitely recommend it it's just great as a graphic novel I think it's not so great. It was hard for me to follow the story as a graphic novel. Um, There are mud wings and sand wings and rain wings and sea wings. Those are all the different types of dragons. Um, And some of them look the same, like they're like an orangey reddish, maybe like a little bit of yellowish. 
And so in some of the pictures, I couldn't tell what dragon was doing what. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a scene where, there were two scenes where I had no, I I just didn't know. I didn't know what had happened. (laughs) Um, I had to get the physical book and try to like match up where they were in the story. And then I read it in the physical book and I was like, oh, context. Cool. I get it. I see what's happening now. But as a graphic novel, I think you miss a lot because it wasn't written as a graphic novel. It was mm-hmm. written as a, a novel. I, it was just harder for me to follow. Um, I do think if someone is a reluctant reader and they've never read or even, well, whether they have or haven't read The Dragonette Prophecy, um, I do think it would still be fun. Um, it's still a fun introduction to fantasy. Um, maybe if you've read it and you kind of already know the story, you'd be able to follow it a little bit better. Um, or maybe if you read that first and then go to the novel, it'll help with like imagery. But I think just on its own, it, it was it was a challenge to know what exactly was happening. I didn't love it. I don't think it would be horrible for a fifth grader to pick up. Um, again, especially if they're a reluctant reader. If they're not a reluctant reader, though, I would recommend the novel over mm-hmm. the graphic novel or maybe companion, do them together. Um, but it is a, it's just a really fun story. Um, the series is great if you're, um, if you have a kid or you are a kid who really likes series, that was me growing up. If it wasn't part of a series, I wasn't going to read it. Um, and so this is a great one to dive into. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a lot of fun story-wise. Um, I just didn't, I didn't love the way it lended itself to the graphic novel version. You showed us a picture of that scene that was, like, so hard to follow, and it was, like, a dragon, like, a red dragon with a yellow belly, and then an orange dragon with a yellow belly, and <laughs> yeah. it was, like, which of these yellow-tummied dragons uh-huh. is the one we're supposed to be following? Uh-huh. Very Who's similar. our hero? I think it's, like, I think it's the mudwing and the sandwing that look almost identical, and there's multiple mudwings and sandwings, and then even the two, the two queens, I think they're, I don't even know if they're the same... They're not the same species of dragon, but I still didn't know who was who. So I have no idea. There was a a part of the the graphic novel where they were singing. Um, all the dragons in the, um, the Queen's Arena were, who were supposed to battle, they were singing the song of the Dragonette Prophecies. But I had, I had to go read that in the physical book because in the graphic novel, it was just music notes floating. And I was like, where's this music coming from? (laughs) Who's singing this? Where is it? Is it, is it a song? Is it just music? But the queen did not love it. She was very upset when she heard that this noise, these music notes. Um, And I just, I didn't know what was happening. So um, that's where like, I got confused. Um, One of the dragon battles, all of a sudden there was like, droplets splashed onto a dragon and I don't know where they came from um, but when I read the the physical book the dragon that that they were fighting also didn't know where it came from so this was just like a third party mm-hmm. per, like that was part of the mystery so it wasn't just me who was in the dark everybody was in the dark so I was like oh all right cool so I'm not supposed to know because nobody knows but I didn't realize yeah. None of us knew where this came from. So that that was part of the challenge. I struggle with with um graphic novels in general because I've they weren't really a big thing when I was growing up, so I didn't really have them to read. Um I keep trying them because I do know that they're very popular. Um and I know that they're a lot of fun for um younger kids to read and even some of the adult ones are fun. So I'm I'm trying to 
if I don't enjoy it, at least understand what makes them appealing to to people. So that could just be my bias kind of coloring why I didn't love it as a graphic novel. But as a story, I definitely thought it was great. Yeah. So kind of back to the reluctant reader thing. I think that this could be, this is kind of reminding me of my childhood a little bit. I'm also not a huge graphic novel person and wasn't as a kid either. Um, but this sounds like such a cute idea for like a parent to read the novel to the kid and then the kid to like look at the graphic novel if they're a more reluctant reader. My mom was always so great about that. Shout out to my mom. Um, <laughs> but like she would read books to us or whatever. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, I feel like that could be like a really good introduction to the yeah. series and then create maybe if they're really into it, this desire to maybe branch out into more of like the, the novel. Yeah, totally. So, options, lots yeah. of options. Yeah, and I know we get requests for this kind of book all the time. I just had a little girl yesterday, I think, who was looking for a book for a school report with a protagonist and an antagonist. So this would have been probably a really good yeah. book to recommend for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of protagonists and antagonists in this one. <laughs> more um, than one you yeah. would be beating that <laughs> well and that's kind of one of the things that I really like about this type of book is there's not just like one protagonist it's like a group mm -hmm. of them there is the leader in the group which that's a cute part of I'm not going to spoil it but that is a cute part of um the the story in general but you have this team that works together and I always liked series that where they have like this this um group of characters this whole cast of characters um who are fighting this cast of bad guy characters so it's very involved um but it's fun that's awesome yeah i can see why people like that series so much yeah that was one of the things that drew me to it is just one that is very popular people are always asking for it um and so i wanted to see what the hype was about and i get it I definitely understand. Nice. Well, speaking of popular series, I also read a series starter. So um, I read Lemony Snicket's first book in the Series of Unfortunate Events series, which is called The Bad Beginning. Spoiler alert, I did think it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't love it. Was it. A bad <laughs> it was a, it was a literally a bad beginning. But um, so just to give a little context, The Bad Beginning is about three children who are orphaned suddenly and mysteriously um, and are sent across town to live with a distant and sinister relative named Count Olaf. Um, and the book follows their attempts to get away from Count Olaf and to foil his plots to get their inheritance, which he kind of makes that clear right at the outset <laughs> that, that he is not interested in being a parent to these children and is just in it for their, their enormous wealth. Um, and I can imagine reading this book as a child, I would have liked the fact that the kids are so resilient and resourceful in the face of, you know, a lot of the challenges that they experience. But as an adult reader, I found the direness of their situation and kind of the unrelenting bleakness of their experience um, more disturbing than it was entertaining. Um, one thing I did like about the book was that there was some good language introduced, some that kids might not be familiar with already. So I, I did think it was cool that it was setting kids up maybe for more challenging reads, um, especially as a series starter, you know, getting getting them into maybe more challenging books as it goes on. Um, but overall, I found the story was too 
bleak to be enjoyable. It was just, there wa- there wasn't really any positive. I won't spoil, you know, where it goes or how it ends, but yeah, I didn't find this particularly fun to read, <laughs> I would say. I think I was telling you that I just read this book a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt the exact same way. I was like, I recommended this book not having ever read it to people who were looking for a series. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to think again when I recommend it from now on. Because it's just like, it is. it is. It's very bleak. There's some pretty adult topics in it as well that are just like, I felt like we're glorified unnecessarily. (laughs) That's Um, such a good way to phrase it. So I just was like, I don't don't know that, that this should not, like... We need to be having a discussion about why this is not good. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. But yeah, I think as a kid, I might have thought differently about it because I didn't know as much about the world. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and and you do get a sense that these kids are really um, you know crafty and yeah, smart, absolutely. which is fun. You that's know, they a, do. They find yeah. creative ways to solve some of their problems, which is fun to to read about but overall not my favorite wouldn't wouldn't continue on with the series and even if you have read them uh you may reread <laughs> them and get a different perspective Lexis and I have talked a lot about this because we both read them as kids I didn't finish the series because unlike Danielle I was not a series reader uh, <laughs> unless the series was finished mm. if the series was over I could I could get through it because I didn't have to wait but when I started reading the series of unfortunate events, they were only on like book six or seven. And so I got to like book four and then I was like, well, I don't want to get all the way up to the ones they've written and then have to wait. So I'm just going to stop now. <laughs> and I liked them. Um, I thought that they were a little like copy and paste. Like it felt like the same story with different uh, peril was happening every time. <laughs> so I got a little, it got a little tedious to me at one point, even as a kid, as an adult, I have the same feeling. Like, there are moments where I'm like, what is happening to these children? Mm-hmm. It's also sad because they talk occasionally in the books about their parents. And you mm-hmm. can you get the sense that you never meet their parents in any way, shape, or form in the books. But you get the sense that they're, like, they were good parents. Yeah. They were loving. They encouraged them to be, like, crafty and creative and ask questions about the world. And then they are just given the worst adults after their parents die. Um, but I... I'm rereading them as an adult and I've had to stop like I am gonna finish it eventually but I got up to book six and I was like oh my gosh this is dark it's dark it's still repetitive uh I think we've talked about like when does it stop being repetitive and Lexis you said book 10 yeah it's very late in the series and (laughs) I did reread the whole series as an adult and I just felt the whole time like there is not a reliable adult in the entire series for these kids to depend on and it is hard to read as an adult knowing like where is somebody to help them somebody needs to help these kids at some point but it just keeps getting darker and darker yes. that's so hard i know yeah. i know yeah and i i can totally see why kids love it but it's it's funny how different your perspective is as an adult reader yeah well, it can be good to foster independence in reading, so maybe that's a benefit of not having a reliable adult. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I say that with a giant question. I, know. <laughs> yeah. I think reliable adults are very, very, very important. Yeah. But maybe independence is kind of okay. Yeah. This maybe is that's like, why they're popular. This is like taking a 12-year-old and demanding that they pay a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I know you can't get a job, but I need you to pay this very large bill. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah. yeah. It, I feel like there are better books out there to, like, 
encourage that ingenuity and encourage that independence and like learn to rely on yourself a little bit more than you might rely on other people in your life but like whoa yeah this is like the ultimate in (laughs) self-reliance i read it a year or two ago and ditto to literally all of it i did not enjoy it i did not continue on um I don't know. I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be, like, funny, unfortunate events. Same. Or something, oh, yeah. like, yeah. quirky. But this was just dark, and I just was like, nah. Yeah, yeah I think I was expecting okay. Edward Gorey. Have you ever read his little rhymes? No. Yeah, he was an illustrator. Very, in a very similar vein to the illustrations done mm-hmm. for the book. Um, and his were, were his illustrations and stories were dark but humorous mm-hmm. and yeah that was definitely not this there's a movie of this right i think a there's show a couple yeah oh, right. was we, jim carrey yes that's okay. the original movie it was the jim carrey one i think that came out in like 2007 um and then there was a netflix show okay oh wait was that no that's is that the jim carrey one no the no the original one was the jim carrey and then the netflix show came out in oh, 2016 and, or something like that yeah and yeah. count Olaf okay. is played by neil patrick harris yeah oh okay yeah see i think when i went into it um a couple years ago i was picturing jim carrey and i i was thinking the book was gonna be like jim carrey and the cat in the hat like mm. those kind of unfortunate <laughs> events yes like that's what I think I was going into it expecting. So when I was actually reading it, I was like, this is not. Oh, no. He's just evil. Yes. yes. Just I didn't evil. like anything about it. I was yeah. very disappointed. Jim Carrey, I will say, Jim Carrey does play a good Count Olaf. Like, I remember enjoying that movie as a kid, even though I didn't love the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... He really leans into, like, how ridiculous of a character Count Olaf is. Like, I think they probably could have played a little more into, like, how truly sinister he is. But, obviously, they're trying to appeal to a certain audience. And I think when that originally came out, it debuted on Nickelodeon. Mm. So, it would have needed to appeal to a certain type of audience. Okay. Um, so Jim Carrey definitely hams it up and is, like, playing a funnier Olaf. Okay. Maybe that's what kind of tinted my my view of what I thought I was going into. Yeah, yeah. the Netflix show definitely darkened it up a little bit. Um, I remember watching the first episode because I think the Netflix show goes book by book, episode by episode, oh, okay. if I remember correctly. Um, I didn't continue it, so I'm, I'm just <laughs> out here saying stuff. Um, but they definitely play into like the darker side of it. And again, it's like Nickelodeon of our childhood would have had to appeal to a less yeah. like dark audience or like yeah. a less like a, a less macabre audience. Yeah. Um, where Netflix is like no holds bar. We're gonna be as creepy as the books are. Yeah. Like if this yeah. makes you uncomfortable, that's what this is. Yeah. But kind of circling back to the idea of reluctant readers, if there is a series that has a movie or a show, that might be a cool way to get your kid um, into a series like saying hey let's read the book and then let's watch the show mm-hmm. or let's Absolutely. read this and watch if it's book by book you know read a book watch a show read a book watch a show yeah. um so that that's kind of neat I do like um how you can kind of pair the two like that especially mm-hmm. um sometimes visually that's it's helpful absolutely so. yeah as long as they don't mess the book up too much I know. <laughs> I, I've def- I've learned to separate the two and understand. Yeah. That th- I know they're not going to be the same. Um. So I can I can enjoy them a little bit more. But yeah. Yeah. That is that is that stuff. Yeah. No. But it's a great idea. I think yeah. that's very very helpful. Yeah. So. 
Well, we have had such a mix of reads. We've had some <laughs> lighthearted ones, some really deep ones, and some like not that great dark ones. So thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. This has been Sierra, Alexis, Caroline, Davina, and Danielle. And we will see you next time for another episode of Shelf Logic. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.